Hello, this is Chris O'Regan, and you're listening to The Sausage Factory. This is episode 296 of The Sausage Factory. Welcome! In this episode, I chat to Matt Boudot of Cradle Games about the action-adventure game Hellpoint, which is actually published by Tiny Build. Hellpoint is quite a game. I've been streaming it for the past six, seven weeks now. And, yeah, it's tough. Oh, boy, there was a boss that I just almost just gave gave up. I just gave up, almost. But no, I battled through. And uh, this podcast is recorded many, many weeks uh, before I actually got really, really into Hellpoint. And yeah, I would stream it every Saturday evening at 8pm British Summertime or Greenwich Me Time, depending on what time of year it is. And uh, thoroughly engrossed in it. I was going to say enjoying it, but that's a that's not necessarily true. I'm, a lot of anxiety, a lot of frustration, but that's what you get when you play a sci-fi like Souls-like game thing, which is what Hellpoint is. Do you want me to shut up and listen listen to Matt talk about how he made it? Good. Chris, uh from a few weeks back, could you be so kind? Thank you. Matt. Hi. Who are you? What do you do? Who am I? So, my name is Matt Boudreau. I'm a creative director at Cradle Games. We're based in Quebec City, Canada. So, excuse my accent from time to time. Uh, with that and the, the fact that I'm a bit tired, I will try to speak as eloquently as I can. Uh, so, we're a company specialized in action RPG adventure games. Uh, we're all uh, veterans of the game industry, having worked for more than a decade at uh, Ubisoft and Activision and so on, on games like Assassin's Creed and Call of Duty, Spider-Man and all that. So, we really love uh, action RPG type of, of game. Uh, I'm a Nintendo boy, basically. My favorite game is Earthbound Fallout 2. Um, our game that we're going to talk, I'm pretty sure, shortly, or maybe not, who cares? <laughs> we'll, we'll eventually get to it. We'll be talking about Hellpoint, and you're, and you're rolling on. This is awesome, because I'm just going to cut you off a little bit, Matt, because there's a second follow-up question, which, you, you know, because yeah, yeah. what happens is when I ask you that first question, a lot of people just roll into the second before they've been asked it. It's awesome. I, it's almost as if I designed it that way. Uh, but it's easy to talk about myself, you know. Yeah, I know. <laughs> It's great. Uh, how did you make your start making video games, sir? Oh, I wasn't even supposed to make games. Initially, I'd like to do uh, 3D animation. So that's back in 2002. So I was supposed to make short movies and art style, uh, gothic, heavy metal type of uh, CG animations. And I had my first company back then. Uh, but then uh, there was no video game industry in Quebec at all back in those days. But all of a sudden, Ubisoft appeared. 
and snatch all the 3D artists in the whole city. So basically, uh, we started Ubisoft Quebec uh, in 2004. I was a CG artist on Rainbow Six. I had a blast, but very quickly, uh, they saw that uh, I was all about creation and level design and game design. And so I moved uh, from that uh, on uh, Prince of Persia, The Forgotten Sand. So that was my first design experience. So much thumbs up or it got started for me i'm so grateful for this amazing carry that i had i have to say that yeah i mean i was going through my um old catalog of games i'm a bit of a you know i don't have the uh, original boxes anymore i destroyed those because i've got no space but i put them all in the mm. cd wallets like so i've got this big sort of folders full of games it's great and i actually found yeah, yeah. my copy of prince of persia so well done it was on the uh, ps3 version it's great <laughs> it's a very obscure version that we did on the Wii. Almost yes. nobody knows about it. Is that the Rival Swords? Is that the one? Um, it's uh, Forgotten Sands. Forgotten Sands, that one. Right. Super fun, but like yeah. nobody knows about it. <laughs> There's a lots of Wii games like that. I've got a stack of those. I think I have it. But yeah, mm. it's uh, I'm, I'm quite proud of my collection because you know stuff. But yeah, yeah. I think the Prince of Persia. I mean, of course, the original, original, original game was amazing, although a little short. Mm. Uh, so to be able to build off that and the whole Sands of Time thing and being able to, and of course the whole the whole Bloom stuff kicked off with with uh, Prince, the Prince of Persia. It's great. So yeah. very fond memories. Fond memories. So that's a rather instrumental time then of uh, for for because the early two thousands were a big deal. Video games, everything changed. <clears throat> everything. Yes. Uh, for the good, I think. Um, yeah. <laughs> Uh, but some of it not for the bad. Uh, I mean, loot boxes we could have done, done without, and then the whole DLC thing, and then you know the horse armor, and it, yeah, that didn't, that wasn't good. But yeah, it's ta- it it we 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 owe a lot to the mid two thousands to where we well, are. The now. budget exploded, and that's what the, I'm happy that I've been able to develop on the PS2 and GameCube, and in those days you had like. Hundred of game coming out, all classics. And when it switched to 360, the next gen, then the budget exploded. People started being very careful with their decision because it could cost a lot. And so the design in general, I think, got a bit more streamlined, a bit less, uh, you know, risk taking until Dark Souls came out. But that's another subject. <laughs> well, Demon Souls, I think. Let's and Demon Souls, yeah. That's um, right. Uh, again, big fan of Demon Souls. Did pl- I actually one of the few PS3 games I imported? Because mm, me too. Because <laughs> they had no intention of selling it in Europe or the US. They said no one wants this. This is a why are you playing this? Are you kidding? <laughs> they knew. <laughs> they just didn't know what they had. They didn't know yeah. what they had. And, it's about uh, casual game back then. Yeah, they just thought this is too niche. No one wants. To- why are you enjoying this? Are you kidding? Yeah. Uh, Pain is good. <laughs> yeah, and the fact that it's being re-released on a PS5 just fills mm-hmm. me with joy. When I saw that opening, I went, "It's not. They can't be. <laughs> no." So yeah, um, hear the two notes. Of, ah! Oh no! Yeah, yeah, oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> oh god, it still stands up. I think I enjoy playing it because I still got a PS3. I've got a launch PS3, a Euro launch PS3. It allows you to play PS2 games on it. It's great. Oh, um, lucky. I know. It's 12 years old. It it won't die. Uh, We're old. I'm I'm trying to whisper, like, please don't. (laughs) Yeah, because I'm waiting for it to do Yellow Light of Death, because that's what happens to PS3s. They they suffer Mm -hmm. the Yellow Light of Death. Uh, But it hasn't done that yet. Uh, um, But I know. But, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's still still far up. Dark Demon's Souls on it, so... Yeah. I'm getting a PS5 for sure. I mean, yeah. no doubt about it. That, despite the wings. Anyway, <laughs> so you moved on to the mid 2000s, and eventually, you it sounds like you you've moved on from working for large, you know, corporations and starting up Cradle Games. Yeah. Well, I had a quite a bumpy road along the way. Um, right. Wanted to try a bunch of different things. I worked there a long time for research and development at Ubisoft and was kind of getting nowhere, so I moved on to Activision. I uh, had a blast working on Spider-Man, on the combat system, parts of the level design was really cool. Uh, and then it kind of went like a blur from then. Uh, I worked on mobile game as well, just to have a taste of how that industry was like. Uh, it was pretty cool. I was uh, responsible for a lot of the client management, so I learned about, you know, 
taking pitches and selling selling games to clients and making some uh, convincing arguments. So it helpful for the business part of things. Um, and after that, uh, this and that and this, but uh, one thing led to another, and uh, we made a little uh, submission for little company with a little game called Hellpoint, not expecting a lot, and it caught the attention of investors. So from one day to another, uh, we had that company started, and, and it was the ball started rolling from there. <laughs> really big surprise, if I can tell you. It really caught my eye. I, I had to. I the only reason I stopped playing Hellpoint at PAX is because I had another appointment. Seriously. Oh, nice. It's so frustrating. Because it's like, damn it. <laughs> Yeah, no, and that that was a really early build, you know. Can you imagine? Like you, I just yeah, it was good because it was just. <laughs> well, we'll talk about it later, but there's something about it that people aren't understanding. And I, I've got a question. I think I know what you've done mm. here. It's very clever, but it's also ah. it's very clever, but it's also quite. It's a bit satire. You've done some satire without probably purposefully, but people don't get that. We were talking about mm. in the virtual green room, everyone, um, because Matt's sort of like you know from from Canada, so he's a fellow fellow subject <laughs> of the Queen. We have a similar sense of humour. Uh, got so, me curious. Yeah, and there's an underlying sense of humour to Hellpoint that people aren't getting. So I want to delve into that because it's quite funny, in, ah. in a really dark way, because that's the best, you know, Black Mirror kind of stuff. I can see. I what can you're help, doing. but uh, inject yeah. a little bit of humour into that. <laughs> you have to. Because, you know, yeah, if it's yeah. all black, it's dull. You know, yeah. it's dull. God, I know what you've it's done. Not it's, as very, black it's, very, as it's very clever. Go ahead. It's not It's not in your face, though. You've got to think about, oh, I see. Yeah. Mm. Anyway, okay. before we get into that, I know you're intrigued. Like, what's he going on about? Trust <laughs> me. Maybe I'm seeing, maybe I'm reading too much into it. I don't think I am. Um, so. Third question, and the infamous third question. Brace yourselves, everyone. Here it comes. Yep. Matt, you're a creator of things. Whether you like yeah, it or man. not, you create stuff. So if you create stuff, you must be influenced by something or some things. What do you believe mm. that is or those are? Man, I think it's all from most of it is all from childhood. I have to say, mm-hmm. uh, it might sound a bit weird, but in the later year, uh, kind of disconnected myself from a lot of things, a lot no. of media. Gotcha. No, I understand completely. Yeah, it's weird. I, I don't watch as much movie as I used to. I don't mm-hmm. listen to as much music. So it kind of get me into a pretty cool uh, schizophrenic state. <laughs> <laughs> Like it's all happening in my head to some degree. A lot comes from from childhood thought, as I said as well. So that's why it's very hard for me uh, to communicate a vision to the team via using references because I can't find them exactly. I mean, I want it to look like this, but it's not exactly Event Horizon. It's not exactly 1984, you know. It's something that I have in mind. So, But once the team is plugged into my mother brain, uh, then I think, Everybody is inspired and it goes by itself. But uh, uh, so, yeah, it's childhood stuff. So I would have to say a lot, a lot of heavy metal, uh, a lot of uh, or anime movies. Uh, there's definitely it, some it, Warhammer there. Come on, there's Warhammer 40k. There's, there's, some, there's some in there. Yeah, I guess so. I wasn't always uh, was the people see so much more references than I do. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, it definitely heavy metal album covers. We've got to give you that, surely. Swedish heavy metal all the way. <laughs> uh, they had a lot of cosmic hour themes in their lyrics, so that inspired me a lot. The creature that they come up with uh, the '90s uh, that was super inspiring to me. So stuck with me for decades until I was able to do Hellpoint. Yeah. That's fine. That's fair. People see Dead Space. They see uh, uh, that's a, that's an easy shortcut, which I think is unfair because the atmosphere is not the same. I don't think so either. No. Uh, I'm not a fan of that game uh, as well. So yeah, it's, but I mean, if people enjoy it, uh, what am I to yeah, judge? No, no, once it goes out there, it ceases to be yours. That's just the way things yeah. are. But uh, no, I don't see the pacing's off. It's not the same pacing at all, uh, and uh, you don't have you. Look, you haven't got a cutter. 
Not in that sense. <laughs> You're not an engineer trying to fix a space. No, it's something else. So that, it doesn't. And the, but I think the key thing that I found jarring with that comparison is it's not the same pace. The lighting's off. The camera's completely different. And it, no. Yeah, I think it's no. just like the closest existing reference for sci-fi horror that sci-fi really horror. got popular, you know. But there's not a whole lot of these type of game out there. No, no. There's a VR game that's come out. I can't remember what it's called. P Perseverance, I think it's called. Something like that. It's quite fun. It's quite good. There's a lot of mm. similarities. But uh, it's, it's more red. Lots of red in that game. Ah. Not so much, so much Hellpoint. But anyway. Right. Um, you actually delve into all sorts of you've you've run the full spectrum except brown. All over no the one place, does, eh? No one does brown <laughs> anyway. Um, so well, you answered that with a plum. Well done. Next one, it, I told you it gets more difficult. Uh, this one is also difficult, and you might sort of like blanch at it. I know oh, this is hard. It's not offensive. It's just difficult. Here we go. What offensive. developer? On, no, I wouldn't do that. To you. <laughs> I don't mind. <laughs> what developer do you most admire in the industry and why? Oh, 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 man! I always come back to this developer. Uh, a strong inspiration to me as members of a business model and uh, the strong creativity that they have with their brand would be Clay. Play entertainment. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I mean, these folks, uh, for so many reasons, I admire them so much. Uh, Mark of the Ninja, uh, right? They did that? No. Yes. They got involved somewhat, I think, with Darkest Dungeon as well. Uh, yes. Got that's Shang, what got, an amazing uh, game. Darkest Dungeon. Who would have thought? Yeah. No one ever considered the mental health of adventurers until Darkest mm-hmm. Dungeon. <laughs> yes, man. I'm not fighting that. Look at it. It's got tentacles. So? What? <laughs> it's great. What a wonderful, wonderful concept. We've had them on the show, I'm happy to say. So, yeah. Oh, cool, yeah. cool. Yeah, um, but, uh, these folks, uh, the, I, I'm very uh, influenced by them. Like, I feel like most of the game that I would want to do will probably be very different one from another, at least uh, in the theme then as well uh, in the genre as well but uh, I like how they just do whatever they want they produce IP like crazy it's a uh, super cool to see yeah that's true that is very true they don't hold back do they they go no here's something new here's another new thing here's a- can you stop no nope. no nope. we're not going to rehash something here's another new thing there Enjoy. yes but I still <laughs> yeah Mark of the Ninja is one of the few oh. stealth games that gets it Yes. You know, because stealth isn't about it's not just Metal Gear for heaven's sake. <laughs> okay, mm-hmm. I mean we all know that trope of the you know the really really terrible guards who can only see around a very narrow cone, and might <laughs> you know it's it's fine twenty twenty odd years ago, but come on, you know so. So many things to try. So many, so many, but yeah, very very clever stuff, and also to use sound. To distract again, been done mm-hmm. before, but you know, seeing sounds, yeah, you see the wave on the see, screen, there, you see it, yeah, it's like Daredevil, only not as rubbish, anyway. <laughs> Big question, <laughs> yeah. Last question of the first half, see, see, relatively painless, almost Doing there. good. I've got to ask you this question because it's a podcast about video games, therefore. We have to do this. Sorry, mate. If you, here we go. It's like really? legally required. What are you playing right now? Um, what I'm playing can check my Steam account. <laughs> <laughs> I play a lot of things. That's me too. Uh, me too. We both suffer from that. I am completely addicted to Project Warlock. Project Warlock. This is not something I'm familiar with. This makes me sad. What's it about? I think I paid five bucks for it and Stand I have a hundred hours <laughs> because a uh, huge, huge fan of the old Doom game, the, right. you know, Surak and GoldenEye. And and this one is really like the old Doom, uh, but everything is cranked up. So the level design, there's tons of secret everywhere. So you might have a sense that I really like that. And guns feels powerful, uh, tons of enemies. And I love... 2D sprite enemies in a shooter. 
the way they die and they split in two and the bowels just goes everywhere. You can't do that in 3D, really. So. It doesn't work, does but, it? I mean, they, they tried it in um, Quake, and it didn't really... I mean, it didn't really... Same kind of impact. Yeah, uh, I don't know, you know what I mean. I mean, nothing wrong with Quake. I love it. I do. Even to this day. Mm. You know, 20-odd years later, I still remember playing the demo. Great game. It's fun. Yeah. But I just the, the jib... It wasn't as good as what it is in Doom 2. It's got to be said. So. Uh, needed 20 more years of technology to do something that look at good. <laughs> Use clay uh, model and they deformed it and took a snapshot at every frame and they went full creative and yeah. I changed the colors and the skin. <laughs> so wow. I love that stuff. It's great. It's just, you know, um, I, I I do have a, a huge affection to Quake and the Quake Two games and stuff. I actually uh, reinstalled Quake Two on my my period PC. I have a period PC that is like it's, it runs Windows ME basically. You can imagine it has two ah. Voodoo Two cards in it and stuff, and it's all it's from that era. It's like it's, it's twenty years old. Works fine. It's beautiful. It's just like I built it from old bits of kit I had lying around. It's fantastic. It's slightly too overpowered. It's like slightly so low. So it runs everything like butter from that era. And Quake Two mm. on it is amazing. But the thing about Quake for me is it just taught me circle strafing. Ah. You know, how, oh, yeah. it's great. WSD, circle strafe, mouse aim. Yeah, off you go. That's how you're meant so to play these games. Technique. It was huge, huge. It's just eye openers. Like, and then figured out. And then the next stage was, of course, uh, point. Yeah. Is there anything mm. underneath your cursor? Yes. Well, then shoot. Okay. <laughs> and that's just, <laughs> it's just that's it. And then, it's then, the first time. <laughs> and then next, next, I was playing Ghost Recon on Rainbow Six and all sorts of things using the same techniques, although with a controller. So yeah, not more strategy. <laughs> Dick, well, yeah, yeah, and hilarity. It's so, cool that these games are coming back uh, in fashion. Like I play Iron Maiden. Uh, mm-hmm. Busk, and so I, I'm really happy that this genre is coming back in fashion. Yeah, I'm a happy boy. It's the speed of them, and the fact that you just you do you are running way too fast, and you should be. But that's the conceit of the game, isn't it? It's not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no one should. Something to fast. be said for like 15 seconds. You're in game, and you're shooting, and yes, and yeah. Now it's like two minutes just to get past the flying logos. <laughs> oh God, yeah. I how often have we seen now where you're playing a game? And all of a sudden, the credits come up. Going, oh, yes, all right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, do we have to go through this now? Like, you're a film, are you? Oh, yes. <laughs> no, no, you're not. If I wanted to watch a film, I'd watch a film. But anyway. <laughs> That's right. Recent JRPGs do this all the time. Stop it. You're not Blue Dragon. Stop it. We know what they can do, and they just don't want to do it anymore. <laughs> They're into that cinematic stuff. But, yeah, but remember Final Six and yeah, Chrono Trigger? Yeah, you know? do you remember? Actually, I'm a Final <laughs> Nine. Sorry. So, actually, I'm not apologizing about liking Final Fantasy Nine. What should I? Good game. Anyway. <sighs> I know. Let's not go there. Uh... <laughs> yeah, Let us move on to the second half of the show where we delve deep into Hellpoint.
So, before we can delve deep into Hellpoint, we need to establish some facts about Hellpoint, as in, what is it? So, Matt, please tell us what is, in your own words, what is Hellpoint? Hellpoint is a very dark, atmospheric action RPG more inspired by Bloodborne actually than Dark Souls, despite what everybody says. Uh, it takes place on a derelict space station called Irid Novo, which is orbiting in real time around the Nominus black hole. And that orbit uh, can have different dynamic effect on the station, like sp uh, spawning mini-bosses or of, uh, hordes of enemies and so on. Um, Got tons of weapons. The, the exploration, I think, is pretty goddamn good. The sprawling levels. Uh, we support multiplayer online and offline with split screen. Um, and everything else is spoiler. Uh, the game is really about uh, discovering what happened on this station and finding out if you're being told the truth or not, basically. Well, came out on July 13 on all consoles, Steam, PC, Xbox, PS4, and a little bit later it's coming on Switch. Yes, and the Charles Babbage counting machines coming out on that's great. Lots of different... just like Skyrim. Yeah, just like Skyrim. <laughs> we can see it. Does it? If you, I'm waiting for Skyrim on my iWatch. It's gonna happen. It's gonna happen. I want it on my fridge. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Skyrim's got a bad thing uh, regular listeners will know I mainlined Skyrim everyone knows it I did it I put my hand up, I mainlined it I went straight through the main quest did 30 hours and then couldn't go back because when I saved the world came back to the village and they went oh you saved the world yeah because you just killed some bandits no anyway <laughs> don't do that everyone don't mainline Skyrim very bad idea so um, my next deep, so my first detailed question for you then and about Hellpoint is I have to ask this because with a game like what you, with with Hellpoint, um, I'm fascinated by how you managed to get managed to do this because you did it well, more than well, very well. But I want to talk about combat engagement in Hellpoint. When I enter mm. a room, a space, I feel I found that I get the impression that each space has been crafted for an experience for the player to get involved with if they want to. And mm. you've given them just enough space in order to A, launch attacks and also defend themselves against them. But I want mm. to know, how have you found doing that? Was that based on a mixture of experience or is it experience, your own understanding of sculpting space within an arena, which the player is in or is it more like trial and error or a bit of both uh, it's it's such a cool question man uh, comparing the combat uh, actually with level design I think I guess is your point uh, that's uh, really what I'd wanted to combine as well and I think um, it's a technique that I've developed over many 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 years uh, constructing games and finding out what was their um, music sheet their harmony, their beat, their tempo, uh, their speed, uh, the the variation of music, crescendo, decrescendo, yeah. using long notes, using short notes. So uh, everything that I've, I'm designing through space is thought first about time and timing and what I want the player to experience and feel uh, over minutes and over half an hour, an hour, and so on. And so, and I can't, I get bored very easily. So. If I try the same trick too many times, then I I think I suck. So <laughs> I scratch it and I start it again. So uh, I think I, asked, I really tried to emulate, I think, what the perception the player will have, where he will want to look, how do I grab his attention, you look at the hand while the other hand is in the back doing something else. So and it's really a sadistic, uh, manipulative uh, mindset. I think I watch the player plays and I'm like, yes, exactly according to my plan. <laughs> and feels really good in that regard. Uh, yeah, I don't know I mean, if uh, I understood the question. Uh, no, you have. But, but what I'm getting at, listener, and also Matt, is um, when you actually enter a space and you see the enemies placed in a certain place and they are there, or maybe an, an enemy, you can tell that 
there's many different ways to engage them, but you have enough space to do so. And the space and, and there's a and you have breadth, depth, if you like, to actually swing the weapon or not, or maybe use a ranged weapon if you have available ammunition and stuff, or maybe use a ranged weapon to bring them forth and then dispatch them if you can. That's a always nice trick to pull off. And then dodge, of uh. course, and then swing. I just love the fact that you didn't just focus on the engagements themselves because that's that's fine. But you designed it, at least what I can see, you designed the engagements alongside the environment you're in rather than yeah. you actually made them the same thing. It's not one. You don't make the map and then the engage. It's like one informed the other and vice versa. They're, 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 it's, it's, a, it's a homogenous sort of... It's greater than the sum of its parts. That's what I'm trying to say. And you seem to have mm. understood that, whether it's conscious oh. or not. And I suspect from listening to your history of making games and certainly games in this genre, action adventure, you've had to do this. You've had to sculpt space around where the player is engaged, depending on what they are doing. You know, if they're caught, they're climbing along a crevice, then you don't need to worry too much about the space around them because they are limited to how much they can move and what they can do. But eventually, mm. they're going to land in a broader space. And if you're landing in a broader space, you're going to give them latitude and, and allow them to do more things they would be doing if they're hanging from a ledge of a cliff. Mm-hmm. So, Such an interesting point of view, man. Yeah. I've never heard it that way. But I think I, I spent like first half of my career learning techniques and the second half trying to forget about them. Yeah. Uh, I was <laughs> doing things way too by the book and it kind it's, of blocked um, my career. Easy. Yeah, it, this is basically it's a form of architecture, whether you like it or not. Architects sculpt space; that's what they do, yeah. and that's what have to doing go. Uh, have to go top, bottom, and bottom up. I think. Yeah. So you design the top idea and then go towards the detail, but sometimes you have an idea of the detail as well, and it kind of creates a monster towards the top as well. So, I think it's very good to, you know, know how to break the rules and consider space uh entire space is a playground you know, up and down and left and right and everything can be a nice combinations of enemies and yeah. i make like uh, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of tests and gyms and gameplay situation i mean i've made i've made probably like five times the space of hell point maybe <laughs> one fifth eventually ended up being in the game but it's it's insanity <laughs> well yeah um, i have to take vacations <laughs> we often say in this show creation the creative process is very destructive those who don't mm-hmm. know, have never made a game won't understand what that means what we're trying to say is what you make the amount of stuff that reaches the cutting room floor is phenomenal it's actually in some cases more than what ends up in the final game uh mm. or, and this is case of literature or any other medium as well you know a lot of stuff if only you know some edit some some authors do need an editor than they're willing to admit. But <laughs> no, if I can say that, was like happy people are boring. They say you, know, <laughs> you have to suffer and be sad to indeed, be uh, indeed, indeed, the best. Time. So <laughs> sticking to space and the, the 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 aspect of it, one thing that struck me about Hellpoint is how vertical it is. There is some hmm. platforming elements to. Hell point. You have to shock. Brace yourselves, everyone. You have to jump. I know. I know. This is almost heretical. Uh, why? Why did you do this? How dare we? How very dare you? <laughs> it's part of uh, something that we love, basically. Uh, I've always been a huge fan of platforming, and it's a way, I think, to bring a little spice in the genre as well. You know, adding one axis, one dimension, both for combat and for navigation. And it's something that also we wanted to build an expertise on because we see projects in the future. Uh, we're going to need that technology as well. So. Uh, it's yeah, it's part of all those things. Things that we liked, things that we thought would be bringing something fresh, and we see into the future of what the Cradle game is gonna do, and gonna expand on that uh, in ways uh, you can't imagine yet. <laughs> no, no, I can, I can imagine. Well, I can't. That's the point. But I just love the fact that it breaks up the monotony of. No, that's the wrong way to put it. What it does, it it breaks free from the view that 
you are welded onto the ground. A lot of these action adventure games generally say you don't jump. That's you, you, no. What what are you doing? What is this Mario? Go on, just go. What, what what do you want? You know, and like no, it's okay to because it actually thematically makes sense considering the main protagonist you're playing. I'm going to come on to uh. come on to them in a moment. But uh, and I do mean them because they have no gender. So um <laughs> so but basically um no I just I found it really quiet. It broke up the experience like oh I can reach that if I jump over there, jump over there, leap over there and land there. Be fine. What could possibly go wrong? I don't know everything, but uh, we're not talking about, you know, Turok jumping. That was terrible. Everyone knows that. But because it's not a, a first-person game, it's a third-person, so you know where you're going to land. And we've mm-hmm. covered this this topic before in previous uh, previous shows, so it's fine. It, your mind kind of goes boom, like, okay, now I can really go places. Yeah. yeah. It sparks the imagination in that regard, and I think it's really the final nail in the coffin that this is not that space. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, he could, Isaac couldn't jump, could he? Right. Could barely now, get over a chest high wall. Yeah. Now, there is a very deliberate, I know, I think, say no, think, this was uh, hinting at earlier, that there's a sparseness of explanation to what is actually going on to the main protagonist in Hellpoint. Now, I believe how I've interpreted it is that, well, what's it your business? You're a 3D printed android. Do your job. <laughs> do your freaking job. What do you mean you need to know the... No, just you do this. You go, just do your job. What do you need to know? What You're a you're a 3D printed droid. Get over yourself. There's no... You're not... What do you mean you want... You've got feelings. No, you just do your job. And that's what I got from this, and I thought it was hilarious. Whether it was intentional it. or not, is it? Is it? Is it? Am I right? Yeah, at least for the first half, uh, because that's what the game wants you to feel. Yeah, I think it's doing that uh, pretty well. It's it's 1984. You know, you're not an individual. You're just a part of the cog. Shouldn't uh, feel so good about yourself. Uh, but it kind of evolved over time if you read lore and if you reach the alternate ending of the game as well. So Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just saying, I just love the fact that the an opening gambit was you wrote and you are treated like a cog. You're right. Because you are a cog. And I thought it was a great piece of satire. Of course, later on, it opens up and flips on its head because that's the best form of satire because that way you can look in the mirror and you can see, oh, oh, I see... Now I get it. And you, of course you push back against being a cog. No one wants to be a cog, unless you're actually a cog. <laughs> then yeah. they play to you. You know, knock it out. That's, do you turn those wheels. You do your thing. But if you don't want to be a cog, um, whatever that means, oh God, it's, all, it's all, you know. Gears uh, I don't think we could have come up with a more anonymous way to introduce a main character. No. Like and, I think we went the total opposite. Uh, you don't what the what? Okay, I'm just a pile of goo and yes, uh, you're a goo. You are actually goo. goo. <laughs> you are 3D printed, and you know you're pretty powerful. I mean, you can swing an axe like a axe. That's, well, but but it makes sense because that's what you were designed to do. Custom you're, built. You're custom built for one purpose, because that's you know things are going bad on this station and. Well, we've got to fix it, so let's just send this thing in. That's what that's your job. Yeah. <laughs> so that's what I love about it. it's this lovely piece of it was a lovely observation of and also a satirical swipe at so many other similar event event where the world seems to revolve around you. Yes. You're so important. And um, <laughs> yeah, not so much in in Hellpoint. Yeah, no. I mean, when you die, you just get another one because, you know, it's bad to happen. I mean, the, the likelihood of you surviving every engagement is exceptionally low, but at least you're making progress, right? Right? That's true. So, which leads me on to my last question. I know all good things, Matt. Already? I know. I know. So fun. So, oh, uh, yeah, but uh, I'm, I'm happy I asked you that last question. But this one, 
This one is related to the last one. And uh, when you do die, you leave Axiom, don't you? That, uh, that, that, that basically the, the, the essence of your programming, what you've learned so far, and it's basically a resource that you need to pick up. It's a real particle, by the way. Yeah, it, it is. It is, yes. It yeah. It does exist. And you do need to harvest this and keep it. And when you die, you actually, unfortunately, do not retain this part. these particles, axiom particles. You need to recover them. Well, this is um, similar territory, but familiar territory, as to say. Or is it? Because, unfortunately... Uh, the that that what you leave behind then creates another you or a version of you, a, mm. a, a less sort of prominent version of you, kind of. This is the this is how I interpreted it anyway. But basically, like a mirror version of yourself. Mm. Where's this come from? Why 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 uh, why why make this foe that's like a a variant of yourself? Ah, uh, is it a bit? Well, I guess I can. Uh... Take a little spoiler on that because we're there's a strong theme of parallel universe in the game. I'm, yes. I'm sure you've noticed because so. it is. So the space station did we mention this? It's orbiting a black hole, which yes. which is a big thing. Uh, um, mm-hmm. So black holes that is. Well, are they? They're not necessary. Anyway, space black holes. It doesn't really make sense uh, in 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 our reality, although they do exist. They are real because we've had <laughs> photos and everything. But yes, that does. Parallels? And you you lean into that making parallel. Universes, yes? Yeah, right. So uh, every time you die, you enter a new parallel universe. So you, in that universe, it's over. You enter a new one, the next of kin one, which is the closest that you can have to your actual universe. But things might be a little different, and me's might be at different location, obstacles, and so on. So we spice things up a little bit like that. Yeah. And, uh, your ghost basically is an imprint from the last uh, parallel universe that you visited. It basically wants the same thing as you do. For him, you're the enemies, and for you, he's the enemy. So it's kind of a little twist that we wanted to bring with that. Uh, and, and it can. Yes. So mechanically, thematically, it works absolutely fine. I'm just wondering, design wise, mechanically, why did you introduce this? Where did it come from? Well, as for many other things, it's like, uh, hey, what the hell? It's fun. <laughs> <laughs> Best reason ever. Best reason ever. Yes. Well, we tried it, and like we've had our first play test, and people were freaking out. I mean, what, what they said that silhouette, it, it's always, always, it's almost always surprising you around the corner or in your back, and they're like, what, what the hell? And so the blood pressure goes through the roof. It's like, okay, that's a big hitter right there. I think we've got to keep it. and expand on it yeah or future DLC as well perhaps Ooh, perhaps I, I don't mm-hmm. think it's great that it adds another bit of stress for you which you know mm. in, in, if you're going to play Hellpoint you're going to have to face up to the fact that you're going to get stressed out it's fine because you, the reward the you know the endorphins of succeeding in a boss fight or a particularly vicious some of the enemies are just so Beautifully sort of sculpted, and and, and I mean they're, they're very tall and thin. I've noticed there's a definite thing going on with proportions. I mean, normally they just topple over and fall over, but this is weirdness. This is you know, uh, you could just trip them over and just stab their heads off and it'd be fine. But no, no, they they it's just yeah, it's just the aesthetic is everything's slightly off. And I know what you're doing with that. You know, you you realise that wait, how are they standing up? Don't don't think about it. <laughs> <laughs> it makes you feel a bit uneasy. You they know, do, so, uh, yeah. If you just things a little bit off, everything, yeah, just slightly. The camera is a bit. There's not. It's not fisheye because that's you know the point. You can see anything, but something slightly off. What you do, do, do it's just slightly, but about five percent slightly off, and it's mm-hmm, wonderful. So. That, yeah, it's um, draws you in. Uh, we had to disconnect from Bloodborne and Dark Soul like a few months after the, the start of the production. Uh, uh, honestly, we kind of forget about it after a while. Like we're on our own thing and yeah. we're inspired yeah. by what we do and we forget about the end. Uh, I kind of said yeah. at the beginning as well. You know? It is nightmarish and that's fine because, you know, the clue's in the title, everyone. <laughs> this isn't Animal Crossing, all right? So, okay. <laughs> So, Hellpoint uh, by Cradle Games. By the way, the name of the um, 
studio? Where did it come from? What, oh man, it's uh, it's symbolic in a bunch of different ways. Uh, we thought of it as the bed of creation at some point. Uh, you know, <laughs> none of us has kids, so it's kind of like, okay, this is what we're gonna do babies with, <laughs> right? Right. And uh, you kind of relate to the cradle in the stars as well. And um, now, uh, you know, employees are starting to have babies as well. So we're very yeah. happy about that. So. Yeah, it's lovely. Okay. It's yeah, symbolic. It's, it's symbolic. Yes, great. So, yes, Hellpoint by Cradle Games is out now on Windows PC. That's the version I played on, which I'm happy because I just upgraded my machine. So it really put it put, put it through its paces. Um, Xbox mm-hmm. One and PS4. And I understand it's coming to the Nintendo Switch very soon. Yes? Yes, a little later on. We want to make sure it's good, so we're taking our time. Yeah. I mean, that's a small bit of kit to have all that lighting throwing around. So, yeah, I do not envy you your tasks, sir. But... Uh, a rocky launch but uh we're working all around the clock we know there are some bugs where i mean we're we're 11 people in the team so mm. you know, yeah, we're know way over stretching it's it was a crazy decision but people like uh, the game anyway so we're always talking with the community if people want to join our discord channel give us feedback uh, yeah, comment yeah. we have the best community ever so kind they will welcome you they will teach you how to play so yeah it's it I think it's the best part of it, honestly. Yeah, we didn't delve into multiplayer, and apologies for that. I just wanted to get into more of the the the, the minutia of the actual development of the of the the environment and the world you're in. Uh, we've only got yeah. five questions. We could have gone into there's co- there's couch cop. I know. Don't look at me mm. like that. Is there is you mm. sitting? In, yeah, it's just. Oh, there we. I know. Again, jumping couch co-op, split screen. Heresy. Cool. Heresy. <laughs> uh, and there's also you leave messages and you can you can invite it into games to help the boss fight as you you know, as is as you want. Or indeed be a be a you know, antagonist and terrorize players. That's all good too. That's right. I remember doing that, Demon Souls. Anyway. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh no, it's been fantastic having you on, Matt. It really has. And you've been uh a wonderful guest. Thank you very much. Oh, thank you so much, man. It's one of the best interview ever, man. It was a lot of fun. Thanks for saying that. Um, you're more than welcome to come back. We've had a lot of return guests on the show because we've been going for so long, you know, since March, well November 2013. So we've oh, nice. a lot, yeah, a lot of uh, people come on and go, I've made a new thing. It took a lot longer than I thought, but we've made a new thing. Can we come back on? And it does mean, Matt, that you don't have to answer the first four, four questions. So, because you've done that already. Hey, everybody knows me now. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, again, thank you very much for being on the show. It's been great. Thanks. Likewise. Thank you very much. And speak again. You have been listening to the Sausage Factory podcast, part of the Canaan Rinse Collective. Support us for just two US dollars per month at patreon.com forward slash cane and rinse for early extended and exclusive podcasts find us on twitter facebook instagram twitch youtube and at our website cane and rinse.com <laughs>